Hey now, welcome to the Oz and Monty Radical Middle Podcast. We're here to talk about the issues that matter to the people of the state of Connecticut and offer a true independent approach that is not beholden to parties or special interests. We're not interested in Connecticut becoming a red state or a blue state, but instead we are working to make Connecticut a red, white, and blue state where we the people are the focus. I'm Monty Frank, candidate for Lieutenant Governor, I'm here tonight with my running mate, the next governor of the state of Connecticut, Oz Griebel. Hey, Oz. Oh, Monty. By the way, as we get started on this, I want to make sure our listeners know that you just celebrated a big birthday, so belated happy birthday, and let people know you made a 100-mile ride across the state uh, to celebrate that. So belated congratulations on a great, not only a great birthday, uh, but a great contribution to the campaign. Thanks, Oz. You know, I, I decided that I'd celebrate my 50th birthday with an affirmation that I was still alive and still able to pedal the bike. So I did a uh, century for a half century. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it got me out there and saw the countryside that's so beautiful in this state. No question. Uh, spoke with uh, people along the way, passed by the farms and through the cities and the small towns and end of the day out in Mystic with a uh, nice birthday party and a nice cake, which I, right. which uh, unlike everybody else that was eating it, I actually earned. <laughs> you know, the best part you of did. it was I was passing by a farm as I was coming into Stonington and, um, you know, I, I, I could hear this honking and it didn't sound like a car honking. It was actually a tractor. Right. And uh, we get to the party and uh, the farmer on that tractor showed up and said, hey, that was me that was honking at you. You know, I, I couldn't believe it when I, I knew you were coming, but I didn't know you were coming right by my farm. <laughs> so that was just a wonderful it's a great experience. day. No question about it. Um, so what I what I want to do tonight is. Um, you know, we did the first two episodes of the uh, Radical Middle podcast where you and I were having a discussion. Right. That was a little while ago. Um, I want to get to an update from you um, as to what's going on with the campaign as we head into the general election um, against a Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate who have finally been identified, although with a fairly small percentage of the electorate. Well, the biggest thing, obviously, the milestone that we celebrated yesterday uh, was the uh, the confirmation by the Secretary of State that we've secured the 7,500 signatures uh, that we needed to uh, ensure our spot on November 6th ballot. And as you and I know, uh, we owe a lot to uh, a, a large group of very dedicated volunteers uh, when we was going all the way back to January 2nd when we started the process. Uh, and particularly in the, uh, in, in the home stretch where we realized we had a little, a little bit more of a uh, of a gap between what we thought we had and uh, and what we actually had, and just hats off to people, uh, including you and Kyle Liddy and Kate Carab and so many people on our team, but also all these volunteers who went out and secured those signatures. It's a big day uh, yesterday as a result of that, and and we received tremendous media coverage late last night and particularly this morning. Uh, and uh, we've gotten we built nicely, got a lot of great feedback from people, uh, had some some contributions come in, so. Since we last talked, that's probably been the single biggest thing that's happened. And of course, as you referenced a minute ago, uh, the primaries were held and we know exactly who the uh, the two major party candidates are. So we're off and running and uh, now looking, particularly when we get past Labor Day, to get into that home stretch with debates and forums and all the things where voters will have a chance to really make an honest comparison, have a, have a chance to make a comprehensive comparison about what each of us represents. Yeah, the petition drive uh, I found to be um, it was challenging uh, because we did it organically. Um, right. but it was also so rewarding because you know we had uh, students, 
um, moms, dads, right. grandparents, retirees, business people, manufacturing people. You know, we, we had people from all walks of life, all right. races, all working to get us on the ballot. Right. Uh, and in doing that, you know, we touched a lot of people um, out on the out on the trail. We sure did. Um, you know, I you know, I can only say from my own personal experience, uh, having spent a lot of time on the uh, platforms at uh, train stations. At, right. Uh, standing outside of DMV, um, talking with people at fairs and festivals. You know, I had one experience where I was collecting a signature, and I, I didn't realize that I was standing right next to the guy. And I looked down, and he had this big snake. <laughs> and, you know, I had to take a step back and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that I want to be too close to you. And he goes, what's wrong? The snake's not going to harm you. And I said, that's not what I'm worried about. So, um, no, but it was a wonderful experience. And, um, you know, that's going to form part of our team as we go forward no and, question. And, and move towards uh, towards November 6th, where we're going to take those people, expand them, and, and win. Right. And we've, been, we've been very fortunate. So hats off to all who helped us. And, and the momentum, uh, as you just said a second ago, continues to build by the day. And that just having that confirmation that we're on the ballot is just, it just elevated the whole visibility and energy behind the campaign. So now we have two choices, right? So when we go out there, um, we have... Uh, Republican, Democrat candidate, and us uh, offering. You look at the other the two choices. It's more of the same, right? Or or uh, or us, correct? And you know, more of the same is you know we've had thirty years of failed leadership. Republican, Democrat have taken us into this rat hole where the next governor is inheriting a mess, right? Um, it is the mess we are going to inherit. There's no question about that. And, and one of the things that um, you know, we can get kind of right into it is so disconcerting is um, you would think given the fact that the next governor is going to face a $2 billion deficit in year one and a $2.6 billion deficit, rough numbers projected right. in year two, um, it, it seems that the both the Republican candidate and Democratic candidate are offering just more of the same uh, pandering, false promises, almost dishonest rhetoric that has gotten us into this mess. It is, and I, and, and that's where the opportunity lies for us. And, and going all the way back to when we started this process late last year, uh, the 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 two major party candidates are running what is a traditional major party campaign, uh, poll testing ideas that they think uh, what I refer to as red meat uh, ideas, things that they think they're going to get positive reaction to, and, and you do with certain segments of the voter base. But I've always believed, uh, and I think this is even more true in the last year or so, that this the 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 uh, electorate in this state. Is a, is a well-educated electorate. It's an electorate that is committed to the state of Connecticut, the well-being of the state of Connecticut, not just to their own uh, bottom line. And I think those are, those are tired, uh, out-of-date, outmoded approaches to appealing uh, to, to the electorate. And our, our whole pitch has been, uh, we don't profess to have all the answers. But we know that this is a great state. We know what we can promote. We know that we have to promote the assets in the state because if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it for us. At the same time, having candid assessments and candid discussions about the significant fiscal impediments that are that are prohibiting Connecticut from getting back to preeminence, and I, I we really believe that uh, this state is hungering a, a significant number of people, a majority of people in the state are hungering for genuinely independent, candid 
uh, talk, straight talk, if you will, to, to coin the late Senator McCain, uh, about what people want. And they may disagree with our approach, but they know they're getting a straight uh, analysis and a straight set of solutions. And that, that's appealing to people, and that's what's going to carry us to victory on November 6th. I think what, what you say makes a lot of sense, right? The um, we, we have a very educated electorate. They will do their homework. Right. And when they do their homework, they're going to realize that uh, the Republican candidate's promises to eliminate the income tax right. is just not true. It's not viable. Right. It, it's just pie in the sky. Yep. And, and the reason for that is we, we are heading into deficits. Right. Significant deficits. Right. We have uh, our expenses, our, our fixed costs are going up. Yep. The income tax represents roughly half of total revenue, right? Total revenue, right? So if you take that out, what, what do you do? Right. I, I, you know, the, the adage and, and and the the I've heard this this phrase for a, a long time. It's been uttered by many people over uh, many in many elections. This notion that you where somebody coming from the business community says we have to run government like a business. There are business business principles that definitely can be applied. Um, but the idea that you can run government like a business is an absolute falsehood. Um, you tell you can't in the private sector. If you want to move a division overseas, you can move a division overseas with little uh, with little fanfare. You can't move a division of the state of, of state of Connecticut to India. Uh, you can look at in the business world. You can look at your customer base and find it somewhere not as profitable, and therefore you're not going to provide products to that group. You can't discontinue Medicaid. You can't discontinue service to those who are in need. So the 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 great distinction, and, and you and I have heard this that well, gee, you know what's the difference? Lamont's a business person. Stefanowski's a business person. You're a business person, and there's a big difference, and it's in our experience. And and what I've said is that you and I not only have lived in the state of Connecticut and worked in the state of Connecticut. We have worked for the state of Connecticut over these last 25 years. So yes, we've had to uh, earn money and we've had uh, nice successful careers, but it hasn't been about running businesses so much as it's been about using our acumen and our experience to really move the state forward for the common good. And I think that's a world of difference in terms of things that you've done with Team 26, things that you've done with uh, veterans uh, associations. Uh, those things, I think that that kind of service resonates um, with the electorate and demonstrates it's that kind of experience that we need to build collaboration, bring all people into the room, uh, and, and, and not get carried away about whose idea it is, but is it the best idea? And if it is, let's work together to implement it. And I think that's a, that's a very different set of experiences than when you work in a, in, a, in a business, a corporation that's very hierarchical. And if you happen to be sitting at the top of the hierarchy, you can pretty much expect that when you ask somebody to do something or tell somebody to do something, they're going to do it. Uh, that's not true with the legislature. The governor can't command the legislature to do something. The governor can't command the private sector to do something. But bringing people together, uh, building consensus, building teams is what this is all about. And I think our, our combined ex individual and combined experiences is what, exactly what the state of Connecticut not only needs, it's what it wants. Yep. And I was president of the Connecticut Bar Association, and you have led um, a number of major boards and sat on a, a right. number of major boards that are providing services to the business community and the citizens of the state of Connecticut. Right. Um, on the board of uh, Yale New Haven Hospital. Right. You were chairman of the board of CBIA. Right. 
Um, and I'm sure the well, you had Bushnell Performing Center for Performing. I mean, they're, 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 our experiences are not just limited in a in a for-profit world. And and our experiences, more to the point uh, that you've made, our experiences have been very much in the public policy arena. And, and that's a that's a different place to play when you're trying to move legislation forward, move policy forward, change regulation or amend regulation. That's that's a different set of skills than what you would pick up in the in the in the more traditional business setting. And what I really appreciate working with you, Oz, because you and I didn't really know each other uh, before we jumped into this race together, right. is um, I'll always get an honest answer from you. Um, you you um, you carry yourself with a ton of integrity. Um, and everyone I've talked to have been on your teams have a deep respect for your leadership, your honesty, your integrity and your ability to move people forward. And those are the skills that are going to be necessary right. as as we head into the uh, uh, into the Capitol in November. Right, and you bring in the identical character, personal characteristics and, 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 and similar complementary experiences that I think are it's clearly resonating. When we go into homes, when we go into places of employment, uh, houses of worship, people get that. And, and uh, as you and I have talked before, and we probably said this in the last podcast, you, can't, you couldn't run this, this uh, campaign uh, in a state like Texas. You probably couldn't even run it in, in Massachusetts, but you can run this campaign uh, in, in Connecticut. And we have for the last nine months. And the, these next, this remaining uh, 10 or 11 weeks going into November 6th, uh, now that the, the two-major party, two party candidates have been identified, we've secured our spot on the, uh, on the ballot. We're just going to get ever more opportunity to talk directly to people, just like we did during the signature solicitation, uh, listen to people, uh, uh, be prepared to respond to, to challenges. That is what's going to move the, it's moving the needle. And it's going to continue to move the needle over the next 10 weeks. All right. So let's, um, let's end this love fest <laughs> and, and move over to um, an area where, where we didn't feel the love, uh, the Independent Party Caucus <laughs> on, on Sunday. Right. Um, you know, there's been a lot of press about that, right. and uh, every time I, I see a headline about not getting the endorsement, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I just want to scream because right. what that was was 63 out of right. 25,000 people showing up at a caucus right. with all of the Republican right. brass there. Yep. I mean, at some point I thought that they were going to wheel in um, you know, Ronald Reagan, um, you know, to try to, you know, to convince these people that uh, right. that they ought to vote for for yep. uh, the Republican candidate. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't want to make too much of it. Yeah, sure. You know, it would have been nice to have that right. line. Right. Um, but the, on the other hand, it's it's um, it's not really an endorsement of no. of the Republican candidate by no. independence. Right. Um, and it's certainly not a rejection of our campaign right. by independents. Uh, what it was was 43 people supporting the yep. Republican candidate at that caucus. And we had 14 votes. So, I mean, I, it's not like that didn't fall on deaf ears. I, I do want to salute two people who were very helpful to us over the last several weeks. Uh, Mike Telleman, who's the uh, the chair of, the, of that of that Waterbury caucus, and John Mertens, who's been involved. I think they epitomized the whole heart and soul of why the Independent Party was formed almost 20 years ago in Waterbury, and then they earned the line in 2010. And as you and I know, uh, the 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 idea that had a lawsuit for 18 months between one faction and Danbury that wanted to basically take the 
party over the Republicans, the Waterbury faction led by by Mike that wanted to keep a true independent line. And de facto, even though the Waterbury caucus won the lawsuit, uh, they just it, it made no difference. The Danbury concept uh, won. And I think it's un, uh, it's unfortunate. Um not, not for us. I don't think it has any bearing on us, as you said. The numbers are the numbers. You can't get very carried away. And I'm, I'm sure that Bob Stefanowski is never going to refer to himself as the independent party candidate between now and November 6th. But what's a shame and, and, uh, is that it would have given, uh, had we won that, that endorsement, uh, as we said cons- in, in several sessions, it would have given the party its most visible, viable chance at, 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 at elevating itself into long-term third-party status. It didn't work out that way. Uh, I think we picked up some new supporters as a result of reaching out and phone calls our team made. Um, but as you and I have said, when as we refer to ourselves, if you're looking for an independent ticket, we are the true, genuine uh, independent ticket, regardless of who won the party endorsement. Yeah, what, um, what was telling to me at the caucus is that the independent party nominated um, two of its own officers. right. To um, right to be on the ballot, and even they and, and the caucus right. rejected that, going right. right down the line with Republicans. Right. So, so I think we, I think we built we built some good we made some good friends, and uh, I think it's going to help us, particularly down in that Waterbury area where uh, people really did listen to us. We engaged you and I engaged in a number of conversations both Saturday and Sunday, uh, as did uh, Kyle and Kate, uh, Kyle Liddy, our campaign manager, and Kate Carab, our. Uh, Finance director Chris Cooper was down there, our press secretary. We came out of it uh, very well. Uh, the fact that the party uh, was hijacked by the Republicans is, you know, that's their that's their that's that's their problem, not ours. Yep. And you know, one of the reasons we decided that um, we were going to seek the independent party line was as as a failsafe, and just in case our correct petition effort correct. didn't work out, right. we would have a line on the ballot. Right. Um, Fact is, three days later, we're there. We're there. Right. We're on the ballot, and we're going to be on the ballot as Griebel Frank for Connecticut. Right. And we're going to get our whole campaign out there telling people how to find us on the ballot. Right. And distinguishing us as the real independents in the race. Right. And when I say real independents, is we're we're not running as a Republican or right. a Democrat. Right. We're running as a former Republican, a former Democrat, coming together on the issues to provide an independent voice. Right. That is so desperately needed in Connecticut and, frankly, uh, throughout the country. And our constituency isn't a narrow constituency of either labor or uh, gun advocates or whatever your favorite. Group. This, we're, our, our constituency is the Connecticut, our Connecticut residents, the entire population of residents, the entire group of Connecticut taxpayers, the entire group of Connecticut employers. And only an independent voice can bring that group together along with legislative leaders uh, starting next January. And, and we're, the, we're the independent ticket that's going to do that. Yep. So um, last week, there uh, some polling came out, particularly right. from the uh, Quinnipiac poll. Right, um, had us at four percent, um, but also said that eighty-three percent of the people don't have enough information yet. Right, to make a decision about us. Right. Um, so clearly, we've got our work to do. Right, but it also tells us that there are a lot of people out there who are undecided. There are, and 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 I, I, you and I have talked about this. Our team has talked about it. This this is not the same old election. That's why I said earlier, you, you got the two major party candidates running campaigns as if this was 1980. This is not 1980. It's not. And by the way, it's not even 2010. Uh, it's it is a new world in a whole bunch of ways, uh, in, including people's appetite for effective. Uh, 
uh, leadership at the top. And I think that's clearly what 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 what, uh, that what we're hearing. So as we go forward on this, the four, what we've said is that 4%, I think, is a good number, uh, given the fact that we'd had uh, almost a year, or at least since January, constant focus on the conventions, number one, and then that focus, media focus, all, all sort of the public focus went from that to the primaries. Uh, you had people in the primaries, from David Stemmerman to Bob Stefanowski uh, to Ned Lamont, all spending a lot of personal money uh, in the campaign. Uh, those who had access to public funding, spending that. So it's no great shock to me and to you that uh, both Ned and Bob come out of there with much higher recognition. I don't believe polls, and oh, by the way, you can, you can, we all know that polls are exactly that. They're a poll, that's all they are. There's not a guarantee on anything. Uh, but the idea that a poll reflects positively, I think what a poll does, it, it indicates that they recognize the name. And of the two names, they like one name better than the other. The whole purpose of the next 10 weeks with the debates and forums is to give the voters a chance to see each of us, uh, both for the gubernatorial uh, slot and the lieutenant governor slot, uh, in, real, in real time, answering questions in a way that doesn't allow you to hide behind nice little sound bites or poll-tested messages. Uh, and that's what this is, this is about. And we're very, as you and I are very confident um, that as people not only get to know us, but also uh, some of these ideas that have been, that carry Ned and Bobbies to their respective victories, uh, get the, the clean, uh, a, 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 the daylight to shine on them. We're going to come up very nicely in comparison. And we both know that polls have not been particularly accurate Correct. Um, over the last right. 10 years. I mean, if you look back at the 2016 presidential election, if you believe the polls, Hillary Clinton would be Correct. our president right, right now. If you believe the polls, Mark Batten would be the Republican nominee. Right. And you can go, go right down the list Correct. of people winning pre-election polls, yep. but actually not getting the votes that the polls predicted. Correct, which is what it's all, that's what it is. We've all said, there's only one poll that matters, and that's the one that closes at 8.01 p.m. on Tuesday, November 6th. Yep, and um, and, and also a poll is a snapshot in time based Correct. on whatever data no is, is at that time. And th the poll that was done by the Quinnipiac, um, that poll is really early. Oh yeah, it's right, people, that's it's exactly. right out of the right. primary, right. which had a low turnout, people are not paying attention, and so we've got a long time between now and the election to educate people and turn those 83%, right. um, at least a substantial portion of it, on, onto our side. Correct. I mean, if you, know, if you think about sports, right, as, a, as, a, um, as an analogy, I mean, when was the last time the, a preseason poll decided the winner of the NCAA basketball tournament right. or the winner of the World Series? Right. You know, you know I want to see the preseason poll that predicted – you know, the Miracle Mets right. or the Red Sox victory in 2004. Yep. Or I, wa I want to see the people who thought that when the Red Sox were down 3-0 to the Yankees, right. um, that they'd come back and win that series and then the next four games right. um, against the Cardinals to, to take the World Series. Right. Um, you know, it, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. Doesn't. So making decisions based on a poll that was at the end of August just seems ludicrous to me. Right, and, and it I think doesn't the, allow the debate to occur. Correct. that allows people to get educated. Right, and I, that that's the one thing we will fight on. If the, if that those poll numbers do people, the, if hosts of a debate uh, use some what I, we think are artificial, outdated criteria like polls, 
and exclude us from those debates. We will be, we are, we will, we already are starting to make sure that the host of the upcoming debates will be on the first one on September 5th, uh, that's being hosted by the uh, Independent Colleges Association and uh, being, it's being actually held at the uh, University of St. Joseph. We're in that debate. Um, the ones on the 12th uh, that's down in New London, uh, we're getting some noise that we may be excluded because we didn't hit 10% in a poll. We are already pushing back on that. Uh, we've been having conversations, Chris Cooper has, with uh, both Channel 8 and, and the New London Day on that poll. Uh, we've got people uh, sending their, particularly people down in the uh, in the mystic uh, New London area, uh, communicating to the day uh, and Channel Eight that they want us on that in that debate because that's that's what this that's what this is about. The, the, we're the one ticket um, of the of the three, and going back to the primaries, we're the only ticket that is that is consistently put meaningful, uh, uh, meet, provided meaningful analysis of the key issues and propose solutions to them in a substantive way. Not something that's been poll tested, but something that we, you and I and our team know are the only way these issues are gonna be resolved. Uh, and not to have that in front of voters through the debates would be a huge disservice to all the voters, but particularly to the 800,000 plus that are registered as unaffiliated who didn't participate in either primary. So there's an obligation by the media here or the hosts of these, uh, of these debates to make sure that our voice, the people's voice, and the ideas that we're articulating are definitely included. You intend to be a spoiler in this election? <laughs> well, you, get as that said, you ever get that question? <laughs> oh, yeah, we sure do. And uh, even some people calling us uh, tra traitors to our respective former... Former parties, but so, uh, so who is the real spoiler in this race? Yeah, the two parties, uh, two parties. You know, as, as some of them said, you know, thirty years of no net job growth. That didn't come about because of us. We didn't. We didn't uh, drive the uh, the uh, the lack of, of net job growth for thirty years. We didn't drive the uh, unfunded liability issues. We didn't drive the deficits we're facing. Those are the two parties that did that. And when I when I talk to people and I, and I you know who are party diehards, I said, like, "What has the party done for you?" Exactly. No question. Yeah. Other than your, maybe your own personal interest, if you've right. got a job through the party, right. Um, but what what good has the party done for you right. in the state of Connecticut? Right. Yeah, yeah deficits uh, that are only going to continue to grow. And we've had no net job growth. We've had no income. We've had reduction in housing values. I mean, that's what two Republican administrations, one Democratic administration, and various uh, leadership changes in the Senate and the House have done. Yeah, and what I say to my friends who are in the Democratic Party who say, you know, how can you do this? You're just going to spoil it. I'm going to say, well, that's not true. You know, we're going to win this election. Um, but, you know, what I say to them is, how's it worked out for you, right? right. All those programs that you care about are getting right. cut. The municipal aid is going to get cut. If we don't solve our economic problems, all the things you care about are going right. to go away because there's no money. Exactly. And is that the place that you want to live? That's not the place where I moved to. I moved right. to Connecticut in 93, as in you did, because we both had a good job. Yep. We both viewed Connecticut uh, as having a high quality of life, right. an educated workforce, tremendous intellectual capital, and a really good place to raise a family. And we both did that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the idea that you're along those, along those lines, you need to say to folks, you know, you're a spoiler. You're gonna, if you're a Democrat, you say, gee, if I vote for you, that means the Republican's going to win. And if, if I'm talking to Republicans, I got to vote Republican because I don't want a Democrat to win. That's, that's, that's about as, as antiquated an approach to uh, the future of Connecticut as you could possibly imagine. What we're offering is genuine, candid analysis and, and in, in the desire and, and, and will to implement the structural change that we need to really make sure that we reignite private sector confidence, reignite private sector job growth, and, re, and reinstall Connecticut in, pre, as, in preeminence in all the quality of life issues that are important. Yeah, what I hear, and just we'll finish up on this spoiler nonsense, what, what I hear from 
Republicans is uh, you got to vote for Republican because otherwise we're going to have four more years of Dan Malloy. Right. And what I hear from my Democrats is you got to vote for a Democrat because otherwise we're going to have four more years of Donald Trump. Right. And the reality is neither Dan Malloy or Donald Trump are, are in this race. Correct. It's Oz Griebel and Monty Frank right. who are neither of them and are going to move this state forward right. by bringing people together, continuing the dialogue and having collaboration based on the best ideas. Yep. Um, so, you know, again, you and I are both uh, athletes. Uh, as you played minor league baseball, I've been a competitive cyclist both here and internationally. Um, so, I, you know, I like to go back to, to sports and yeah, I, you know, look, we're, we're the underdog. Right. But we've got a real clear path to victory. Right. If we execute on our game plan. And, you know, you think back to the Red Sox and the whole, you know, why not us campaign? Right. Or, um, you know, the Mets who, you know, said you got to believe. Right. Um, and certainly both you and I have vivid memories of U.S. hockey team in, in 1980. Right. You know, people counted them out, but they came together as a team and, exactly. and succeeded. Um, so talk to me a little about what, what is our path to victory? How do we get to the point where we get across the goal line, um, you know, with, with our hands up in the air and spike the football? Well, I, I think it's 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 simplistic answer, but it's just continuing to repeat what we've been doing for the last eight months, and that's talking to people, listening to people, uh, now being able to tell them, hey, don't worry, we're on the ballot, uh, being able to now distinguish ourselves much more easily again, compared to two people rather than the eight or nine that were in the uh, in the primary races. Uh, it, it is about putting, continuing to put one foot in front of another to earn one by one voters' confidence. I know that sounds a little simplistic when you're trying to get the 600,000 votes, but the idea that you're demonstrating via social media, uh, in meetings, uh, in, 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 in the debates, uh, in the forums, uh, in, in interviews with, uh, with uh, folks in the media, that's, how, that's what we've been doing for eight months. It's what we're going to continue to do. And the pace will accelerate, uh, particularly after Labor Day, as you go into that 60-day sprint to November 6th. Uh, but that plays to our strengths. We've been in the state, uh, as we said earlier, 25 years. We both have built tremendous credibility with the media. We're trusted by the media. I think that matters because while the individual is going to make up his or her mind about who to vote for, they they will listen and read what's in the media. And I think we've been treated extremely well by the media. I have every expectation we will continue to be so. It's making sure that we get on those debates, or if we don't, that we protest like all get out so that we get appropriate coverage. And that's what this is, uh, that's what this is about. So it's, it isn't, it's, as we were asked today at the press conference, you know, boy, this is pretty hard, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to state the obvious. Of course it's hard. You know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And, but that's what makes it, it, makes it, makes it worthwhile. Um, and we are building a base that is going to sustain us through four years. This isn't going to be somebody votes for us because they, we got promised an income tax cut or a restoration of the property tax credit. People who support us and carry us to victory on November 6th are going to stay with us and be a critical element of how we govern successfully uh, over the next four years. And that's, that's worth it. It's hard, but it, it pays dividends over the long haul, not just for one day. Right. And, and you know, to borrow again from John McCain, uh, true American hero, you know, this really is Connecticut's version of the Straight Talk Express. It is. No question about it. No um, question. We're not about pandering. We're about providing substance. Right. If you, you know, and that's what these podcasts are all about. Correct. If you go back and listen to my interview with Dan Tobit on opioids, right. or with Marianne Jacobs on 
Miriam Jacob on, on gun violence prevention. Yep. It's all about bringing people together to solve solutions on a substantive basis. Correct. If you look at our website, www.oz4govct, and go to our news tab or issues tab, right. um, you'll see substantive proposals. Right. And not just fly-by-night, poll-tested ideas that, right. you know, pe- leave people with, again, going back to old campaign slogans, you know, where's the beef? Exactly. Um, so let's finish up by talking sure. a little bit about um, <clears throat> Tales from the Campaign Trail. So, you know, what we've seen is the other candidates are running hard left or they're running hard right. But we've, we've been running towards the people. Correct. Talking with people, listening to their concerns, hearing their dreams, um, trying to understand what their problems are, how do we solve them, their ideas for Connecticut, talking with businesses, manufacturers. Um, tell me about some of those conversations that you've had. Well, they, 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 are, they are all over the lot because every individual has a particular perspective on what they think ought to be done in the state of Connecticut or what the priority ought to be. So it is, uh, I think one of the things just to maybe tie back a, a, a comment you made earlier, one of the things we want to be clear on is that we have made up, we've made some, as you said a second ago, specific proposals. I also want to understand, make sure people know that we know that not everybody's going to agree with those proposals. And my guess is that we're going to get better proposals from other people as we move the, as we keep having the discussion. So one of the things that's really important about this campaign and about who we are is is process. And process starts with bone deep respect for every individual. It, it, it includes the notion of having a thick skin and you're willing to take some blowback on your ideas and try not to keep try to keep it uh, impersonal and, and focused on the issues, but our willingness to engage uh, on, on the debate, the food fight, whatever you want to call it, so that whatever the, the idea is, it gets improved down the road because you've got better perspective in there. So when you're talking to people in the state, you know, some people that if you're in a if you're in a Bridgeport, um, where you where you hear that um, Many residents in that state feel that this in that city feel that the city has failed them, failed, failed their children in public education. That is their single biggest issue. And 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 I don't know what magic wand we're gonna wave, but we've had a commu- we've communicated and I think we've demonstrated been to begin build trust that we are gonna get up every day and think about that three-year-old in Bridgeport, that three-year-old in Hartford. So you, you have that, that folks. Then you have a, a, wealthy, indi- a wealthy individual who's, say, hey, I made my money here. Um, I don't like the tax program. I'm thinking of moving. I'm thinking of moving my business. Their, their needs are, are, are different. Specific needs are different. But I do think the common thread through all of this is people want to be respected. They want to be heard. And they want, they want to believe that their leadership is focused on the broad common good, not one segment of it. And those two, they, I wouldn't call them parallel extremes, but that person's concern in Bridgeport about the education of his or her child and that wealthy individual is threatening to move, those things are linked. Because if we don't uh, have young people coming out of our school systems who are ready for jobs, then the ability, the, the need to keep taxing uh, and driving the wealthy person out is going to continue. So one of the things we've tried to demonstrate is we're not looking at issues vertically only. Yes, you got to look deep. You have to understand the details. But how does one issue influence another? How, did the vo- how does our support of vocational skills relate to the, uh, to the workforce development needs, just like the higher education need does? How, do, how does the second chance program uh, relate to the workforce development issue? 
trying to demonstrate that this isn't about uh, the one size fits all, but rather understanding that if we're not willing to sit in a room and listen to people, take those ideas and form something that's going to benefit the common good, then we are going to be just like everybody else. And that's what we're telling people. That's not who we are. We are coming at this in a much more comprehensive way in listening to all the voters in the state and recognizing that across the board, it is about economic growth, as you said at the beginning of this podcast. If we do not get 200,000 more jobs in the state, more people paying taxes, then our ability to invest in, infra- in transportation and education and the programs that matter to so many people is going to continue to get curtailed every year as we go forward. So get, earning the trust of everybody is what this is about. And I think we're doing a very good job of it going back to uh, the beginning of this year. I'm into that. Thank you all for listening to the Radical Middle podcast. This concludes today's episode. I would encourage everyone, please go to our website, www.eyesforgovct. Follow us on social media. Become an ambassador for us. Tell all your friends, your neighbors about this campaign. Direct them to our website. Be a digital ambassador for us. Spread the good word about what this campaign is all about. Because it's only through this grassroots effort that we're going to see significant change for the benefit of all Connecticut residents.